Hey, Taylor here. Welcome back to Stories and Lies and to Episode 7 of Painting Darkness. Once again, this episode was edited by Ged. We're bringing him on as a full-time editor, and I think you'll agree the show is better for it. Remember to check us out on Patreon and Discord, and any of those other internet holes you dwell in. Links are in the show notes. Now let's join our agents in the action, and see if one really is down for the count. Venetian mostly clean, but... They're coming after me. I don't know who they are. But you gotta take this along. Implications... Last time you guys ended up on this island after about a week of probing the outside of it and testing the radio signals, trying to understand where this ping is coming from, triangulating a position and plotting a course inland. You have Connie Dearborn with you. She's a ranger um, for the Manicouagan Regional Parks. And on the last adventure, you ended up well, actually, Eugene specifically ended up stumbling down into a crevice and finding a small creek that led to basically this this cave, this sort of what was once a hovel for some people who used to at least make shelter here. You know, maybe they didn't live there, but they did they did take shelter there and they did seem to have some kind of artifacts you found charring on the roof of the cave that showed evidence of fires. You found some stones inside a little container. 32 different stones, each with a, a little rune on it. And you found a necklace that seemed to be you know, braided and made of natural materials and stones and gems and shells and each with, with these runes on them as well. And both the stones and the necklace seem to have some kind of unnatural abilities to them. You played around with them. You tested them out a little bit. You found that the stones seem to have some kind of ability to hamper memory and that the necklace bequeathed upon you the ability to converse with animals. At least in a way. You can understand the emotive elements of what animals are saying in their normal language, if you will. You're not really hearing words so much as you're understanding the concepts that they're trying to convey. Um, and there's perhaps more you can do with these devices, if you will. But your fun was cut short while somebody was talking to fish. Eugene, Fred, one of you guys was, was talking to fish. And in the middle of that, so Connie had left at this point while you guys were experimenting with this necklace. Connie thought it was kind of weird. She decided to leave. She said, I'm going to go hang up by the equipment, you know, watch our stuff, make sure it's all good. And after a few minutes, you heard the sound of gunfire. 
you heard Connie shout, scream, and you heard what sounded like perhaps her gun discharging as well as automatic gunfire. Sounded like probably a submachine gun or an assault rifle, something like that. Very quick. The last thing I remember hearing from you guys was that Fred was going to run out of the mouth of the cave, ostensibly away, right, from the from the direction that you guys were coming in, to circle back around and come up the hill back towards where Connie is, because that would be faster than um, going back and climbing this rope. So... What I'd, what I'd like then um, from Fred... Well, actually, we're going to do uh, an initiative. So I'd like I'd like each of you to give me your deck score. It's time. I'm 60. I got 50. 65. Fred's dex is only 10? Not super agile? Yep, 10. Interesting. Okay. So Fred... Uh, starts running and uh and while this is happening eugene you've just heard this gunfire what is going through your head what are you thinking what do you want to do in this moment do i still have the uh necklace i can't remember if i gave that back or not yeah it was it's probably still on if you, unless you took it off okay i would go and look up out of the hole which isn't the most brilliant tactical decision but i'm going to go back to where all the gear and all that is sure yeah, how quickly are you walking? You're looking at about 100 feet. I'm not very quick. I'm still limpy guy, right? So I'm not very fast at all. But I would be moving it fast, like, pretty quick clip for me. Okay, sounds good. So you're not going to make it quite all the way there yet. Um, you will get uh, maybe a third of the way um, at this point. In the meantime, you hear another gunshot. You hear what sounds like uh, a shot from Connie's gun. Uh, I don't remember if I said that she has a rifle or a shotgun. I had given her a shotgun on the sheet, but I, I believe I had said rifle. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to say shotgun. She's got a shotgun. That makes sense for what she's doing. Okay. So you hear a shotgun blast that sounds like uh, Connie's gun discharging. And Arjun, what uh, what do you do? Uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Krantz, Mr. Krantz. Yeah. Cover the hole, but stay out of sight. If someone views you from above, you're you're in a dangerous position. So please be careful. Absolutely. All right. And then I'm, I'm going to follow where, where Fred went. Cool. So I'm going to back up Fred, essentially. So, uh, yeah, I'll just and I'll take my shotgun off my shoulder and get that ready as I'm going. But I'm going to essentially um, not try to catch up to Fred, but at least keep up with Fred. Okay. Sounds good. And, uh, and so you head out of this cave and you round the corner where you saw him disappear. And you can see Fred is off now, maybe, you know, 20, 30 feet ahead of you. And and sprinting, I assume, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you're you're um, running up this hill, you know, through trees. There's It's it's pretty thick in this part of the, uh, this part of the woods. There's no trails here. Um, and you're, you're running through trees and you're, you're splashing through all the foliage and you're making all this noise. And in the distance, you know, maybe 60, 70 feet or so, you can see uh, Connie standing next to, or sorry, you can see Connie sitting down next to a tree, and you can see her shotgun propped up. And you, is there anything you want to do in this moment while you're running towards her? Just keep moving. Um, I think he'd keep moving, but not in a straight line towards Connie. Kind of take like a, like an arc around, so that it, so that if everyone Zem basically ambushing Connie, he's going to flank them. Which direction, if you want to go right or left, if you're looking at Connie, right or left? Left. Okay, sounds good. And so you, you head that way. What's your alertness? Um, It's not bad. Fif uh, yeah, 50. Okay, sounds good. And we come back around to Eugene. Eugene, you're making your way down um, through this cave. It's, it's dark. Uh, it's damp. You can feel the water kind of splash under your feet. And maybe, maybe he's trying to walk a little to the side as he's hobbling with his with his cane or, or um, fishing pole and trying not to make as much noise. I don't know. Um, but what you tell me, what is he doing in this moment? Is he continuing? Uh, trying to be cautious, but doing exactly what um, Arjun had said, which was getting to where I could like look up the hole, but not be exposed from the top. And I would pull out my... Uh, revolver from the shoulder holster at this point. Just have it with me. Ready to go. 
Okay, sounds good. So you've got your revolver out. You check it, make sure you've got bullets in there. It's loaded. And except for one shot, unless you reloaded that at some point. I, do, I mean, it's been like 10 days, so yeah. we got reloaded. It's been, yeah, it's been a week. But that's fair. Um, and then we come back to uh, Arjun. But, but, but before we reach Arjun, um, you can hear Connie's voice um, coming from, from where she is. And Fred, you see her and you can you can see she's turning um, towards you and she just is kind of groaning like, ah, right, what, what do I see? So Arjun, you come around this, this bend. You're, you're maybe 30 feet behind, uh, Fred, maybe about 10 meters or so. And you, at this point, what's your, what's your alertness? Let's see. His alertness is, um, 40. Okay. Um, it's difficult to see because there's so many leaves and, and branches in the way. And there's all these, these autumn colors and all these browns um, and greens of the, of the bushes and, and the different flowers. Everything's very colorful and it's difficult to see what's going on further into the distance, but you can make out uh, the general area. You can, you can recognize like, Oh, you know, that's the stuff and you see kind of shifting through, through the leaves um, as you're moving. Like, ah, that's where it is. I, I know I need to head that way. And you see Fred kind of edge off to the left and not in a straight line of, of this direction. Okay. Yeah. He, he's not going to follow Fred at this point. Cause he, I've now seen Connie, right? You can see kind of, yeah, where she is essentially. You don't have a great view of her, but. All right. So, um, he will move cautiously towards Connie. Okay. And I'm trying to figure out if she's been shot or not. That's the first thing that's on my mind. Did, did someone shoot her? Okay. Sounds good. As we come back around to Fred, um, you're, you're kind of sweeping to the left. Um, give me an alertness roll. Yep, 74 failure. Okay. And so you're kind of, again, still pushing through these trees and you're, you're going fast. Um, and trying to, well, I guess, why don't I ask you, are you going fast? Are you trying to be stealthy? How are you approaching this? Eventually, once he kind of does like an arc a bit farther than where Connie was, he goes, he, he, he just goes step by step, uh, very slowly. Okay. He's trying to surprise whoever shot at her. Okay. What's your stealth? <laughs> Baseline, 10. Go ahead and roll. Okay. Holy shit. Nine. Okay, awesome. So you you get down low and you start moving through um, as you're, you know, you're getting 50 feet, 40 feet, um, and you're making this, this wide arc, and you don't see anything in the distance. And it's kind of quiet, except you can hear Connie's groans um, coming from now your right, where you, where you had left her. And you see maybe Arjun heading straight towards her. We're back around to Eugene. And what can I see out of the hole? Like, as I'm... So I'm peering up through a circle. Yep. So can I see anything? It's it's kind of like a long fissure. Okay. More than a circle. Uh, well, I shouldn't... It's not super long. It's a couple feet long. But um, you you get to the end of this, this crevice area. You can see your rope. You can see some of the light spilling down there. And as you look up, you see... Honestly, you see the canopy of trees. You see the, the sky beyond. Okay. And I've heard all of this going on above me, but I don't see any mm-hmm. human or other forms or anything to do, right? From where you are. Yep. Hmm. You're, you're at the rope at this point. How much water is in the stream? Or is there none up here that's further down? Uh, it's a little bit. It's a trickle. I'm just going to hunker down and wait a minute and listen intently. Paying attention. I'm going to keep watch up top. And what's your alertness? 60. Okay. Um, you can hear Connie's breathing. You're close now. You're within, you know, maybe 10, 20 feet of her. You can hear her, her heavy kind of labored breathing as she's kind of wincing in pain. And we come back uh, to Arjun um, as you're, you're heading straight towards her. And you can see her now through, uh, through, the, through the leaves and through the bushes. You can see that she's been shot. She's clutching her, her side. And she turns and she sees you. And she's, she just, uh, you know, help. All right. So um, he wants to raise a finger to his lips and then kind of point right and point left and look at her. Kind of like she. um, Yeah. So she looks straight ahead. So if you're looking at her, she's turned left to look at you. She looks back straight ahead, which is to your left. 
and and she kind of nods with her head. She indicates that way, right. which is north. So, um, I want to find a tree that's nearby, at least nearby her. Can I? Can I oh, there's plenty. So I'll, I'll, I want to get up against a tree and stand up as tall as I can, and kind of peer around the tree like as cover to see do I see anything or anybody in that direction. Roll alertness. Actually, what's what's your search? Okay, search for him is a sixty. Roll search. And that's 13. Okay. So you can see uh, in the distance now quite a ways. Um, you see a flash of black in past past the leaves. It's, it's almost like it fades into the darkness. Um, but you can you can hear rustling um, coming from that direction. We're talking at this point. We're talking hundreds of feet. Okay. Is it moving away from me or towards me? Away. Okay. I'll, I'll look around, but I, I assume I don't see Fred or uh, Eugene anywhere, right? Yeah, you wouldn't see Fred, and yes, you don't see Eugene, but you know that he would be down in the in the crevice still. All right. Um, is it? Can I see the crevice from where I am right now? Yep. You're right next to it. Yep. All right. Uh, Mister Krantz, come come up, please. We'll need your assistance. And he's probably going to need a little help getting out of that, but you've got the rope, um, and you can certainly get down and help him. Before I do, I want to go. I'll go take a look at Connie. I'll go see how how bad the wound is basically. Okay. Sounds good. And we'll, so we'll come back around to that. Uh, in the meantime, Fred, uh, what are you doing? I think he'd be patiently waiting with it, with his breath in the cold air kind of, uh, uh, going to and fro. And he waits until if, if I imagine he heard like Mr. Kranz and, and, and like, yeah. Oh, the, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And he's waiting to see if anything bites. So if, if some of the shooters come back to decide to finish the job, uh, so he, I think he kind of put back his, his shotgun on with, with his strap on his shoulder and pu- pull out his pistol, essentially getting ready to, to be much more physical and perhaps take a hostage if, if needed. Um, and he kind of kneels down on one knee and is kind of intently looking, see if, if uh, any shooter is coming back. Okay, sounds good. And so Eugene, what, what do you, are, do you want to climb out of there or do you want to stay down in the crevice for now? Um, I'm going to want to come up, but like we said, it's not going to be, I'm going to need help. So, yep. Yeah. So at this point we're going to leave initiative. All right. Okay. Yeah. And okay. I, I'll, I'll help him out because I, I looked, I don't really have any first aid training. <laughs> so it's no point in me trying anything. I want to help him out. Cause I think maybe Eugene's better at this than I am. And I'll give you just a, a brief run on what you see as you, as you, you know, get up next to her, you see that she's, she looks like she's been shot, you know, um, she's clutching her side. It's bleeding. That's about as much as you can tell from from where you're at. Um, and you get down and you can you can help hoist um, Mr. Cranst up uh, out of this hole. And um, Fred, you're hearing this kind of going on um, over by the tree, over by where Connie is. You can still hear her wincing in pain. She says now, you know, more quietly because you're right next. The, the two of you are right next to her. She says, "Some fucker came out of the woods and shot me." I thought I heard an automatic weapon. Is that what you saw? What did you see? Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I saw this this guy um, looked maybe military spec ops or something like that. He just he was walking around and he he saw me and he had like a submachine gun. He had like a I, I don't know what kind, but something small. And he was looking at me. And I, I pulled my gun and I shot him and I think I missed, but he shot right back. Fuck. So you, you saw a military person and you decided to he, fire at him first. I don't think he was military. Why the fuck would the military be out here? Well, you said something about um, special operations. Is he, uh, can you describe it in more detail? Was he a special yeah. police unit? Maybe. Uh, I private security, I think private security. I didn't get a good look at it, but on his back as he was running, there was a, like a symbol, uh, some kind of shape, like a geometric shape. Could you be more specific? A circle with some lines in it. Uh, no, not really. Well, let's see. Mr. Fuck. Is Mr. Krantz, <laughs> help him yeah, out yeah, of the you, ground. You, you, you've got him. You've got him out of there. Yep. At this yeah. point, Mr. Krantz, do you have first aid? Uh, no. Uh, I can take care of fish, but not people. I imagine that for some reason I'd assume that, that those skills of yours would work in reverse, but um, we're going to need, um, I hate to do this, uh, Mr. Fontaine, 
as as you say so, you hear steps uh, coming from basically like the left section, like five feet away. He managed to be very very uh, uh, stealthy, and you, you the first thing you hear as you say this is it's me, don't shoot. And then Fred would kind of look look around, uh, uh, observe the situation, and notice right away that Connie's shot. Um, and uh, in his bag, uh, he does have a couple of bandages and, and, and rubbing alcohol and the likes. Not a ton, but a, a little bit. And so he'd get to work. Uh, he's got 15 first aid. Okay. Um, we'll go ahead and roll that. Yep. As you get down there and you start uh, undoing these bandages and, and getting some of the rubbing alcohol out. And, and she pulls her hand away and it's it's bleeding. It's it's, you know, something that you'd want to keep pressure on this, right? So right. you see, yep. you can clean it up, but you're not sure if there's a bullet still in there. Is it, is it one gunshot? Is it two? Let's check and see. I mean, there'll be a hole on, ask, we'll just move her very gently to see if there's a hole in the back and a hole in the front. Where was she hit in the stomach or where's the shot? Yeah. Left, left side of basically just, uh, just about her ribs, just under her ribs. Oh God. Did she have an exit wound? You, you try to gently move her and she, she winces. Ah, ah, it hurts. And she, she's like, hang on, hang on. And she kind of musters up her strength and, and starts to turn herself at her waist so that she's not moving her torso as much. And you are able to see, um, you know, pulling up her, uh, her shirt that she does not have an exit wound. Uh Oh, the bullet's still in there. Unfortunate. Um, do what you can, Mr. Fontaine. Try. Um, this is going to hurt. And I got a failure. 76. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know how it goes. And uh, and so you, you know, get some of this alcohol in there and you start cleaning up the area. And are, are you going to make an attempt to try to fish the... Hey, you got a fisherman. You want to try to fish the bullet out of her? <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. He he think about it, but he he knows like he's got fifty in first aid. He's, he's he's shot people and he's he's been shot at before. That's a really bad idea <laughs> to trying to remove it here. Um, he's gonna shake his head and say, um, I'm, "I'm not gonna try to remove the bullet here unless you really want to die. Um, that'd be a bad idea." And she's breathing. She's like, <sighs> "Let's just stop the bleeding and let's get her back to the boat." Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. So you you do what you can, um, Fred. I want you to roll me a luck roll. Forty-seven success. Okay. Uh, I want you to roll me a D four now. Okay. Four. Okay, sounds good. Um, and then a D one hundred, just flat. Just tell me the number you get. This is scary. 46. I feel like he's checking tables or something, which troubles me. Yep. Mm. Yep. Okay. So the three of you are standing here around Connie, um, Ms. Dearborn, who has been shot. And you just talked about needing to, to get her back to, uh, to shore, right? Back to the, to the mainland. Yes. You know, at this point, you're, you're probably... Um, I guess I don't know. I don't remember exactly what we had talked about from the last time you got onto the island, but I do remember you came you came onto the island from that elbow shaped bay area again, um, the same spot that you parked the first time, and I believe you were something like maybe an hour or less into the trip when when you discovered this hole. Um, so I would say at this point, you know, it's we're looking at maybe ten in the morning. Um, and it's probably going to take at the pace that Connie's going to be mobile. It's probably going to take a couple hours to get back to the boat. Yeah, we have, we have to do it though. We obviously have to do it. So um, uh, maybe we can take turns, uh, having her over one of our shoulders, like put her arm over the shoulder and, and help arm underneath her and help walk with her and stabilize her and take turns. Yep. But we, we obviously have to, we have to get her back to medical treatment. It's, we don't have any choice, you know? Right. So the three of you support her and you get, you gather your stuff um, as best you can, your bags and, and equipment. You've got your, your stones. You've got your necklace. If Eugene is still wearing that or if somebody else is holding it or where it is, but you've got all that stuff. Um, yes. Yeah. Before we leave, 
Eugene wants to do something. Once every the decision's made and everything, maybe when we get back to the boat, I don't know. What do you, what are you thinking? Um, no, before we leave, like the crack where the fissure is, um, I want to talk to a bird and see if I can get a better impression on the symbol. On the like, I want to see uh, the limitations of the necklace art. Like, I can get their impression on what they witnessed, right? So it's emotive. Um, so you know. I would only get like scared or, you know, it's a threat or something. Okay. Stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, simple concepts, but it's, yeah, it would be difficult to relay kind of specific stuff. That's a great idea though. I, I thought of that as I was explaining it, that it might not be able to do that. Yeah. Unfortunately it's, um, and I don't remember if we talked about it on the, on the show here on the podcast, but, um, we did definitely talk about it after the session last time. So the necklace, um, is sort of a modified version of the ritual speech of birds and beasts. Um, and so it does very similar things to what that can do, which loose communication with animals of different kinds and, um, an ability to fairly quickly train animals within minutes, basically to, to accomplish things or, you know, do small tasks that you want them to do that might not be, you know, uh, learn first aid and heal this woman, hmm. but um, you know that kind of thing. Well, have, um, while we're going, we're going to go in at a short rate, uh, kind of a slow rate. Yeah, um, Mr. Krantz, if you could indicate on the map where this happened, where these things are, so we can find this location again. And if you get a chance, maybe listen on the radio uh, that maybe there's a signal in this location. Uh, I'm I'm concerned uh, about who the shooter is and what he's protecting, and we need more information. Okay, we could set up the radio and take a ping from here, but I don't think we can do that while we're moving. Well, uh, one person can do that while we while we move Miss Dearborn. We're going to be moving at a reduced rate, so it shouldn't be difficult for the catch up to us. Uh, two of us can help her at once while a third one is doing other things. Well, I'm the least help uh, moving her, and I can operate the radio, so I can do that. I'll take a ping and mark it on the map from where we are. Sure, you can do that. Yeah, it's pretty easy for you to you know, kind of figure out based on the map and based on your knowledge of, of this area after a little while. Um, oh, I think we're in this area and you mark it and you check the ping and you, you check the rate. It's, it's somewhat weak, um, but you're able to mark it down and kind of add it to your data okay. and you can catch back up with them. As the four of you are walking back to the boat, Connie asks, you know, she's, she's again, kind of wincing through this pain. She's, she's, she's very tough and she's definitely trying to um, put on a, 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 a tough face. Um, and she asks as she's limping along, you know, ah, can you just, can you just tell me who you people are? Like, really? Um, what are you doing? What are you doing here? What, what is this? Miss, Miss Dearborn, save your energy. We'll have plenty of time to speak about these curiosities later. We, we work for the government just like you. They were trying to find some missing people. I... What are those stones? What... What? What is that... What is that necklace? What... What is any of this? What... That radio? All of this stuff? It's... It's... Uh, it's just... Mr. Dearborn, you, you, don't ease your mind. It's a radio. It's... And those are artifacts we uncovered from a native civilization. They may be use to some, some uh, scientist or anthropologist. Son, save it. I know when someone's gaslighting me. Um, I haven't been called son in quite a while. Miss um, <laughs> Dearborn, I don't know who shot you. Maybe you can tell us more information. I have no idea. I... Uh, he uh, was a man. Um, Mid-30s, maybe. Maybe late-30s. That doesn't matter. Who, who who does he work for? I don't know. You know these parts much better than we. Listen, I, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I saw. Okay, I don't know beyond that. I've never been here before. I don't. I don't know these parts. I know Manicwagan. I know the. I know the regional area. I don't know this island. Uh, Miss Dearborn D. I saw a man. He was wearing black. He looked like. It looked like mil military fatigues. He looked out of place, didn't he? Yes, he looked very out of place. He was he was wielding a gun of some kind. Where would he be 
at place at? Where does he belong? I mean, uh, he, it was, he looked like private military. He looked like private military. Like, 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 I don't know, shit. Deep underground somewhere. Fucking, uh, one of those, like, expensive, uh, private army groups. Like that, uh, like Blackwater. That kind of thing. Hmm. Is that what you'll be telling the uh, other rangers when you return to the city? Well, of course. No, I don't think it is. It sounds really unusual. Why would there be a private military facility on this uninhabited island? I, I don't know. You tell me. I'm asking you. Connie. Everything's been weird since I... I'm going to need two things out of you. Number one is I, I need you to calm down. You've been shot. It's possible that you, you've lost a lot of blood. You're going to be tired. You're going to be feeling unwell. You try calming down in this situation. This can be done later. Second thing is, I'm going to need you to drop this now. So she um, she turns and she looks at you, uh, Fred. And she does, she, she calms down for a second. She looks you in the eyes and she says, if I don't make it out of this, you need to find whoever that was and do something about it or, or tell the other Rangers or get your Mountie buddies out here or something. I, whatever's happening here, there are people missing. There's private military on an island. This is not right. I know. And trust me, we will. Promise me. I promise. He offers his hand. Yeah, so she'll shake your hand, and that calms her down a little bit, and she's she's still kind of clutching her side, now her bandages. And um, and you guys continue, and it takes a while. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything else you want to talk about on your way back to the boat? Fred watches the rear. Like, he, he, he's got his hand on his, on his shotgun the whole... The entire way through and then is actively making sure that we're not being followed or, or and I think Arjun will do most of the um, assisting of Miss Dearborn so he'll be the one that she's got her arm over his shoulder and he's kind of supporting her weight so he's helping her move while Fred's doing more of the security job yep and she's she's limping on her left side so you're kind of supporting the side that makes the most sense yeah I think he'd be on the, the weaker side basically holding yep. that side up yeah Yep, and he'll try to. Be, he just has remained calm and stoic you know, on on the hike back. We'll get her in the boat, secure her, do our thing, load our stuff up, and 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 let Mister Krantz drive us back uh, to civilization. As we're loading up, I'll mention just Arjun under my breath. Hang on. So, so oh, we're not we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not we're not quite there yet. Oh no. So I, I just I just want to before before we jump straight to that. Is there anything else that you guys want to do while you're before you get to the boat. Not really. Um, yeah. Uh, as, as we're walking and, and Fred is watching the rear and his hands are on his, his shotgun and he's making sure that everyone's basically staying in a cohesive group, just moving along. Uh, he's just going to say, listen, Connie, for all in between you and me, this was a, a shooting accident. All right. I promised that I was going to take care of whatever shot you. And then we'd look into what's going on here. But we can't have just regular Joes and Joe Blows just coming over here because there's private military and think the RCMP is going to do a good job. She kind of glares at you and rolls her eyes and she says, all you spooks. Yeah. She just kind of continues. And you guys get back to the boat and you see it down, down on this rocky beach and you're able to start, you know, Getting getting into it, you can load your stuff. And Wes, what was Eugene going to do at this point? I was just going to mumble to Arjun about this is why I like fish better than people. Well, fish fish are simple. Yeah. They also don't shoot. Yeah. Fish are friends, not food. No, fish are food. Oh. And, and friends. friends. But Eugene's still a, a sportsman, like... You're not supposed to kill something unless you're going to eat it type mentality, right? That's fair. All right, let's get out of here. So, 
you get back into the boat, you get all your stuff loaded up into the boat, and you turn it on. You try to turn it on. Mm. Oh, shit. Uh, it's not turning over. You can't hear anything coming from the ignition. Uh, I'll just look at Eugene, but I know what that means. Eugene has a pilot uh, boat, right? Skill, that is. Yeah, he does, yes. What? What is it? Uh, it is 40%. At this point, you can see Connie is kind of, you know, she's she's closing her eyes and she's laying um, down on the, I imagine like a bench seat, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, she's kind of laying back and, and breathing heavy. What's your, what's your skill? 40. Why don't you go ahead and roll that for me? Okay. Or does anybody have any kind of electronics skills? Computer science? I do, do not, no. That's uh, a fail at 72. You're not sure exactly what's going on with this, but it's not turning on. It's not, it's not igniting. It's not working. You could probably spend some time trying to maybe take things apart, tinker with it, figure out kind of what's going on. After a minute of the boat not turning on, Connie is going to kind of pop her head up and look. And like, you know, uh, through, through this um, wincing pain, she says, what's going on? Is everything okay? No, it's not okay. Uh, Mr. Krantz, can we reach the Rangers with our radio? Hmm. Should be able to. We need a radio for assistance. Let them know that one of the one of their um, Rangers has been shot, and they need to bring another boat to this location. So you pull out this box, this esoteric radio box that has a a cassette tape deck in it. It's a radio. Uh, I was actually thinking of the radio on the boat. Oh, the boat? Yeah, actually, the boat would have a, like a CB radio, right? Yep. A VHF, at least, yeah. Of course, unless our battery is dead, then we have no way to use that. Which is actually... Let's find out. Yeah. So the, the radio on the boat does not turn on. Okay. You can pull out your radio, and you can turn that on. You can get it set up. You can extend the antenna, set it to... Uh, you know, you hear the static. You don't hear any of the pings at this point, yeah. which we talked about before. Uh, you don't hear them back out here. Um, you can switch it to sending, and what do you say, Arjun? All right, um, I'll ask Connie. What, what's their radio frequency? What, what do they use for the radio for their for their CB radios? Yeah, so we can tune to the right frequency. So I forgot this about our radio. We can't send and receive on that radio at the same time. It's one way well, or the other. I just want to get on their frequency. I'll send a message to them, basically. And and she rattles off some numbers. That Taylor doesn't know. Okay. So I look at Arjun, I look at <laughs> Mr. Krantz, so and we can set the dial up on that. And then we'll, we'll, we'll click the send, you know, and say, you know, um, help. We need assistance. One of the Rangers was shot by a hunter or an unknown shooter. Repeat, help. One Ranger shot, need medical assistance. Our location is I'll, like motion towards the map. Like, give me the map, you know. And I'll describe the, that bay, the you know, approximately this part from, the, from this location. Um, we have boat moored at this location. Battery is dead on boat. Need repeat. Need medical assistance. One ranger shot. Hunting accident. Send help immediately. I repeat our location another time. All right. Um, Please send help urgently. Release. Yep. And, and let's go to, I'll go to receive to see if anybody yep. responds to us. Yes, yeah, so you can flip it to, to the receive. Um, and you hear the static. I probably should have said over and out, but I'm not really good on my radio stuff. <laughs> totally should have. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Um, and you listen to the static. And you're waiting. And you don't hear any response. And you're not sure necessarily if it's because somebody's not receiving your signal or what's going on, but you're not hearing any, any response. Uh, Mr. Krantz, do you have any theory on uh, the range of this radio? I, I know that it should be able to send that far. Am I, am I, am I correct? Uh, like 40 kilometers, you know, with good line of sight, no hills, no trees. Right. We, this should work. We should be within range of the radio, the ranger station, and also the dam in the city. 
That depends on where the ranger station is. The one that you guys had come from was further away. It was, I don't know in kilometers, but um, it was something like 80 miles or 90 miles, something like that. Do we have, do we have a flare gun on this boat? Uh, yeah, you probably do. Okay. So let's, let's at least ready that. It's no point in firing it yet, but if we see somebody, we can fire it off. So we have that. Okay. Um, I'll look over at Miss, Miss Dearborn and say She's fading. Miss Dearborn, stay with us. Um, she, she nods kind of quickly. She's like, yeah, yeah. Stay with us. We, uh, we need to get you to help. But uh, clearly our boat has been <sighs> disabled, uh, perhaps by the same uh, shooter that, that shot you. Um, if you have any suggestions for us, are there places or people we can contact? Now would be the time. Water? Is there water? There's plenty of water. Yeah. How about uh, pain meds? Fred uh, takes his bottle and basically just gives it to her. He probably has pain sure. meds as well. And his, uh, if he if he's got rubbing alcohol, he's got yeah. You, you guys know, can have bandages, some, some rudimentary. You don't have like Vicodin or something, right. but yeah, you got some rudimentary pain meds. He he doesn't say a word. He just kind of helps her out, squeezes on on basically keeps pressure on, like lets her kind of do like drink water. Take the the, uh, yeah. the pills in it or whatever, and and he he's gonna basically take it on to kind of apply pressure, very gently, not too strong uh, on uh, where she was shot, but still pressure. What's that? He's applying pressure, like good pressure, but not like super strongly to cause her pain. Gotcha. You can tell that she's shaking um, at this point. She's she's clearly looking and feeling pretty weak. Um, she's a little pale, but you you feel like you've. St- Stopped a decent amount, or at least staunched a decent amount of the bleeding, um, but it it is still bleeding. And uh, she would tell you as, as the bandages kind of soak up, she would tell you, you know, basically to apply a new set yep. of bandages, switches um, them out over the top. Just leave leave the existing ones there and just add add more bandages on top. Yep, and that's exactly what he'll, what he's uh, he's gonna do. Yeah, and and she she knows some first aid stuff, so she'll kind of walk you through some of this basic. Um, care but she's fading away as this is happening she's she's at some points she kind of seems like she's nodding off a little bit but she's trying to stay with it you know she knows she knows the drill miss miss dearborn um to keep you with us is there anything else you can remember about the initial encounter with the the shooter Uh, did they say something did you say something uh there's anything that comes to mind uh can keep your mind clear what do you remember um I, the symbol on the back, it was like, like a vertical line. So it was, it was, it was a circle and there was a vertical line going down the center of it and some like, like a wedge or a chevron. It kind of looked like, like a stylized K. Um, it was like black on black. He just shakes his head. Are you familiar with the, the Kronos company? Uh, hang on. The handler's going to roll for it. Wait, Tom, are, are you as Tom? No, that's Arjun's asking the question. Okay. You, you guys have all heard of it. Oh, yeah. You may not be super familiar with it. Eugene would be more familiar with Kronos. Um, but you, you guys were all told about it at the beginning of this mission. Okay. Um, she looks really confused and then kind of nods her head. And, and she says, the environmental company? What does their logo look like? Uh, just the word Kronos, I think. All, all capital letters. And if you guys had done any research on Kronos, that's probably what you would have found too. Um, not what she's describing. Okay. But thinking, thinking that there's a correlation there is, is something worthwhile, right? You know that Kronos has some kind of presence on this island. Now they're an environmental organization. They're 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 a research company, um, not a private military, right? So, what's going on there, Miss Dearborn? What what do you know about their um, presence here? Do they have a, a structure? Do they have presence? A camp, a laboratory, a building of any sort on this island? Uh, what here on? Rene Levasseur? Yes. I, uh, I, I, no, I don't think so. Um, there's no buildings on this island. 
There's nobody, it's, there's no infrastructure. Where's their nearest, um, where, there's their building. How close are they? Where's their nearest building? Oh, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough. I, they're, they're, they're like a environmental product company. They make like, yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you know of anyone else who might be using this island or exploring this island? Uh, besides, like, hikers, um, maybe hunters, poachers. Um, and she's kind of going through, like, the list of things in her head that she would think about as a as a cop, as a ranger, you know, cruising through this list. Um, no, not that I can think of. Just, no. All right. Um, I'll look to the other two to see if either of you have any ideas. So I've been heads down in the engine compartment the whole time trying to figure out something. Have, is there anything like a take 20 rule or anything like that? Uh, yeah. So that's, um, so there's not really like a take 20, um, but you, you've been spending the effort and stuff. So, um, why don't you give me another shot at your pilot boat? Okay. And my goal at this point, and I'll give you a plus, I'll give you a plus 20 on that. Okay. My goal at this point is not necessarily to figure out What's wrong with if it was like sabotage or just natural maintenance failing? Yep. Something like that. Uh, 42 with a plus 20. That's a success. Good. Um, it looks like it's been sabotaged. I will. Um, yeah. Arjun? Yes. Can you come look at this? I'll come over there and look at it. And let him show me what it is he wants to show me. This was done by somebody who uh, probably didn't want us to leave. And you see that there's like, for instance, and I, I'm not a boat expert. You see that there's like an integral piece that's been destroyed or missing. Okay. So um, I think at this point, it doesn't matter. Connie's spaced out anyway. So I think Arjun will sit down right next to the whatever the broken part is and put, out, put his hands on it and hold the wires or the device and focuses energy and, and kind of go into a trance to concentrate on these items and begin essentially doing the, his clairvoyance ritual here in the boat to see if he can figure out when, what, what you know, get a, get a vision of this. So I'll go ahead and I'll spend the willpower, which is, I think, one willpower, I believe. Yeah, and also one sand, and begin the trance to study these items. Yeah, absolutely. And much like what happened last time, you know, you're sitting in this boat, you, you're, you're closing your eyes and you're concentrating and meditating and you feel the world start to kind of reverse around you. And as this is happening, it gets faster and faster and faster and faster. And there was something and it's faster and faster and faster and it's still going and then it, and then it slows and you see, uh, as you open your eyes, you see yourselves backwards walking, right? Walking backwards to the boat. And, and you're like, all right, too far. And you see yourselves kind of, you know, walking away and they speed up a little bit and you're kind of, it's almost like you're scanning through, like you're fast forward or rewinding through this piece of time in this space. And, and you come back to this something that you saw, just a flash of, of black and you see a person wearing all black, wearing, um, what looked to be black military fatigues almost, right? Not, not quite camouflage, just black mm -hmm. and uh you see uh a couple of things about them actually um you get a pretty good look at them as you're as you're kind of watching this and, and it is almost like you can you know pause and play and slow down and fast forward and all that kind of stuff i mean you see it's, it's a white male um you know late 30s probably short black hair thin fairly fairly athletic looking with two guns um you see that it looks like kind of slung around um, his side or his back is uh, some kind of a rifle, um, automatic rifle, maybe like an M4 or an M16. Right. So um, one thing I want to focus on, not so much the extraneous details, but the impression, like almost the emotional impression of just what, what my soul tells me who he is. It's just, it's an impression. It's a, you know, do I sense, you know, is he, is he belong? Does he not belong? Is he government? Is he, mystery is he, or anything about him that just stands out in kind of a spiritual sense as I'm viewing for sure this this his attachment to these items and his place here in this time you know how it all fits together right 
I am going to give you a picture of him real quick. Oh, cool. I put it in handouts. I see. I want to focus on what's around his neck. That seems like it means something to me. Do I have a feeling or a sense of that item? So, so real quick to, to answer your first question, the, the emotions you feel uh, in this, in this, you know, the spiritual kind of essence that you feel about this man is um, first and foremost, anger. That's the biggest thing that, that you're feeling. The second thing is um, this kind of, this sort of weird like disposition between like um, fear and discipline um, where it's like, there's, you know, he's doing what he's doing here on this Island because he is being compelled to and out of, out, out of spite for the situation um, that this is kind of where some of this anger is coming from. He feels very out of place incredibly out of place. And to come back around to what you mentioned. So um, in the picture, uh, there is what appears to be kind of a, a lock uh, on sort of a zipper that's uh, that's attached to his jacket. Uh, it looks like it's it's just a lock. Um, it seems like it might be decorative. All right. And I, do I see any insignias, logos? Uh, you do. Uh, rank it or anything like that? Yep, you do. You see, So you see a logo on the back um, of his uniform. There's a fairly small but um, kind of black on black, like matte on glossy sort of a look. Um, and it does appear to be like what Connie described, sort of the stylized K. I don't have a graphic of it, otherwise I would share, but um, that's what you see. No name. All right. Um, at this point, he's he's probably feeling a bit exhausted. He's, it's wearing him down a bit, so he's going to pull out of it. Pull out of it, take a deep breath, uh, lean back a little bit, let go of the wires, um, kind of collect himself for just a moment. Um, look, look at Mr. Krantz. Do you, do you have a, a notebook, Mr. Krantz? Uh, real quick. I actually, I will give you one more thing. Oh, good. I, I said no name. I'm going to correct that. You do see what appears to be a little, a little name, name plate or like name uh-huh. badge on his, on his, uh, on his shirt or on his, um, uniform that says Norris. Norris. N-O-R-R-I-S. That's good. That's good info. Cool. And yeah, I will produce out of my bag, uh, a notebook that I've been recording all the locations of the radio and all that on. Yeah. So he, um, he goes to a, a, a new blank page. Uh, begins to sketch the, the insignia, the K, the lines. Um, it writes down Norris next to it. Um, right, draws a picture of just whatever he gets, it's present in his mind before he forgets it. He starts just drawing and just pin these things out there. Um, takes a pause. Looks over at Eugene. Eugene isn't even like polite at all, just straight staring over your shoulder and looking at all the information. He, he doesn't belong here. It's, it, it troubles him greatly. He, there's an anger that he's, he's here, that he shouldn't be here, and he's, he's doing something, I can't tell why. Duty, mischief, um, there's a rebellion, a sense to him. Um, and so much fury. He's, he's very dangerous, Mr. Kratz. Hmm. He's got no choice. He doesn't belong, and, and I don't know what this insignia or this means. I don't know who this is. Uh, I, I look over, um, Mr. Fontaine, do you have any experience with any other government agencies, police, military, special services, where you might have seen this logo before? A- anything? I have experience with other law enforcement branches, a bit of military, paramilitary, but this one... In, in your um, special work, did you ever see anyone from any branches that um, that had a logo like this? Did I? What is your military science? Ooh. Um, or bureaucracy? Military science is a big fat zero. Uh, bureaucracy is at 40. Not as high as a couple of years later. Sure. I got a 50 bureaucracy, if that helps. <laughs> why don't you guys uh why don't you guys Fred roll that? I have a 40 bureaucracy. Like we can walk into government buildings and just get ooh, the things. Ooh, ooh. Critical success 11. Nice. Oh, I love it. Love it. Okay. Um when you see the logo, Fred, it does it rings a bell. It strikes a chord and you do kind of remember 
something about it. It's it's difficult to place, but hearing Arjun bring up Kronos and, and this concept of a private military, it's not necessarily unheard of that very wealthy corporations would have their own private military. It It's very unlikely and super shady, but it's not impossible. And so you maybe think maybe this is some sort of for some reason, some sort of Kronos private security, very offensive private security. Well, actually, it's possible that this is a subsection of Kronos. That's a, all about private security, a, a smaller military branch for all intents and purposes. Um, I've never seen any of them, never heard of them, but it's possible. I'd like to know with my bureaucracy, is that illegal? That's what I want to know. In Canada, is it illegal for companies to have their own private military? I mean, that's a great question. So, um, do you need to roll for that or? Sure. Go ahead. Would a law 70 would I know? <laughs> I think technically in the civilized world, I think it's always illegal in all it of is, the developed world. But there's always ways to yeah. make it appear fine. Yeah, there's security or there, you know, an infinite number of Recovery. things that aren't military. Uh, so I've got a 50 bureaucracy. I rolled a 43. Awesome. So that would be a success. So one thing you could you could imagine um, in this situation, because you, you do think like that, surely that's not legal, right? It's possible that whatever this entity is that um, that kind of controls this private military group is not actually legally a part of Kronos, but a separate company that has some sort of a contract exclusively with them. That wouldn't, you, you think necessarily be illegal if on paper they weren't you know what they clearly appear to be right if they were more like on paper just security not a military eugene mumbles something about dirty corporate interest i'm trying to figure out if we can kill these people with impunity or not (laughs) (laughs) but i guess that's really not an easy question to answer when you say impunity do you mean legal impunity well, if, if they're an illegal military occupying Canadian land, um, and if they're a foreign you power, don't know. that's what I'm wondering. Are they agents of a foreign power? If so, you know, uh, they 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 most likely are not agents of a foreign power. Darn. They what the tricky part is: do they have legal authority to be on the island? Do they have legal authority to be doing what they're doing? Right. Yeah, my guess is no. And you don't you don't know. I, I'm gonna presume no, unless <laughs> unless told otherwise. I'm here for that. Now, the other question is, is that going to stop you from killing people? No. <laughs> no. But I am going to look over at Miss Dearborn, and, I'm, and, I'm, and Arjun is concerned, because um, I don't know, he doesn't know what to do to help her at this point. And as you look over at her, you see that her eyes are closed, and she looks like she's passed out. You can see as you look closer, you can see that she is still breathing. It's very shallow. And if you try to, you know, wake her up, she doesn't wake up. And as this is happening, as you're kind of, you know, maybe gently pushing on her shoulder or or saying her name, you hear in the distance, once again, that loud, low rumble, probably miles away coming from the center of the island.